All right, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mark Molina, CEO of Molina Leadership and Business Development Solutions. I'm very excited to have with us today, Mr. Neil Ladotti, Assistant City Manager for the City of Springfield, Oregon. I've known Neil a long time. He has been a fixture in city leadership for the City of Springfield for many years now, minimum of at least a decade. And he is a very competent communicator. He's a very uh, thoughtful leader. He has had a huge impact on just about every area of service within the city of Springfield. And I know that might seem like a generous compliment, but it isn't. I can assure you, for those that have lived here and have had the opportunity to uh, meet Neil, you understand that those statements are indeed fact. And Neil, I thank you, sir, and congratulations on your promotion to assistant city manager of the city of Springfield. Well, great, Mark. Thank you. Um, thanks for inviting me on and the great introduction. And I hope you're doing well and your wife and daughter are doing well. And um, I'm really uh, pleased with the work you're doing as part of this initiative and the incredible interviews that you've been getting. So I'm honored to be part of it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm going to take a moment to read Neil's uh, bio. Neil Ladati is Assistant City Manager for the City of Springfield, Oregon managing the city's development and public works divisions and legislative and intergovernmental programs. He also serves on the city's 10-member uh, executive team, the city's budget preparation team, and is responsible for the city manager's public art program and diversity outreach. Neil joined the city of Springfield in 2004. He is a graduate of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas with a bachelor's degree in communications and a master's degree in urban leadership from the School of Public Policy at UNLV. Prior to joining the city in 2004, he spent seven years with the Southern Nevada Water Authority, managing outreach programs for some of the largest public work projects in the state. He currently serves as the board president of court appointed special advocates or CASA of Lane County, an organization providing voices for abused and neglected children in Lane County. Neil is very happily married and has two kids, both attending schools in Springfield. Big, big accomplishments for you, Neil. I'm really happy for you in your new promotion. I just want to say that again. Yeah, thanks. I, you know, I, I've said this since I came to the city. I, I always feel like I have the best job at the city. And I think this is, you know, more of the same. It's I get to do so much. I work with such incredible people. And uh, I'm just very humbled to be asked to do it. And uh, I really love coming to work in the morning. I, I can't wait to get here because there's so much to do. So tell us something about you that's not on your bio. Oh, uh, well, there's a lot, I guess. Um, I think, you know, I do spend a lot of time with my family and they're on my bio a little bit, but uh, there's four of us. I have a daughter who's uh, 15, a son who just turned 17 a couple of days ago and my wife, and we're all like best friends. And so one of the reasons we moved to Oregon was to try to have a close-knit family where we could spend a lot of time together uh, in the outdoors, and we do that. And Mark, I grew up in the city. I mean, we never camped, we never fished. And so moving here, it was uh, part of the goal was to do all of that, to learn how to do it, to teach it to the kids. And now our kids are like, it's old hat to them but still makes me nervous sometimes to get out there. Yeah, so did you grow up in Las Vegas or that just, just when you went to college? Yeah, my parents, um, you know, we were an Italian family from New Jersey and 
basically my whole family worked in this cigar box factory. Um, and so I still I'll find the cigar boxes in secondhand stores every once in a while and I'll buy them. But um, almost my whole family worked there, grandparents, parents, and uh, my dad lost his job there. And when you, you know, he wanted something different. And so he moved us out to Las Vegas. We had an uncle there and then my grandparents followed. And, um, you know, in the seventies in Las Vegas, it was a pretty incredible place, very diverse place to grow up. And um, I was there for 35 years or so before we moved here and uh, had some incredible opportunities there. I'm really glad um, that that's part of my history. Now you went to college to get your bachelor's in communications. What was the interest to that area of study? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I initially went as a history major and um, started down that path, but I ended up really liking the communications classes, the outreach. I tended to be more comfortable there. And I had a mentor while I was at UNLV, uh, Dr. Tony Ferry, who's since passed away. Um, and he really helped me um, figure out, hey, where can I best use my skills? And when you're, I think, good at a communication skill, um, there's a few where a few areas where you can use that. And one of them is to be a marketer and sell things, which is very challenging. <clears throat> the other area is also challenging, but it's, you know, you can work for nonprofits or local government and really help build a community. And that's the path that I chose. Um, but really it was from that communications background of doing that outreach of trying to be transparent and helping people understand the place where they live. So silly question on my part, when you're, when someone, I know several people who have taken communications and that's their bachelor's or, or their master's, what are some of the course requirements that would that enhance that uh, interest? So uh, public speaking, uh, writing, um, those are the core components. So there's different elements of that, but a lot of it is, you know, how do you take some ideas translate them into um, something that's truthful that people can more easily understand and get a message out. So I can give you an example. When I was in Las Vegas, I was working for the Southern Nevada Water Authority, which is a large um, water agency that worked for Las Vegas and Boulder City and the surrounding areas. So more than 2 million people. And we were doing these construction projects so Mark, just the difference between Springfield and, and Las Vegas, one of them, one of the many, is that there are 5,000 people a month moving into Las Vegas my whole life. I mean, that's all I remember. And so that's a lot of infrastructure impacts. Um, and it was for good reason. People like my dad, when he moved there in 76, he was able to get a good job and buy a house and get a car and you know provide. And everyone wanted to do that. And so there was a lot of people moving in and so we would build these transmission lines, sometimes 12 foot in diameter uh, for 20 miles through the city. And then, you know, they would be at full capacity and we'd start again. So trying to help people understand the need for such tremendous infrastructure and impactful infrastructure to their lives. Uh, that's where I really was able to use and kind of learn those skills. And uh, if you're talking about 
uh, water rights in a Western community. Mm -hmm. That is a really controversial and uh, intense discussions that happen. And so I was lucky enough to be able to be part of that and to learn um, early in my career how to work with people who really may not be on the same page with you for a very good reason. And so what is a master's in urban policy? What some of the, uh, what's some of that coursework like? So uh, that, I really, you know, I went to UNLV in the 90s for my bachelor's. And just recently, a few years ago, you know, I wanted to see how can I push myself. I wanted to be able to do more, uh, be a more of an asset to the city, honestly. And so I knew I needed to get a master's uh, to kind of help that process. And so I really looked around and I ended up looking at UNLV who had just started this urban leadership program. And it was really, the focus is leadership, but for cities and counties. And what I really liked about it is it's not, it was not a cohort of city employees talking about things we already knew. It was, I was the only city employee and there was one county employee and the 19 other people were private business, nonprofits, um, people just getting back into the workforce. And so that's what I really liked. It was engaging with that full, the full community. And I didn't understand it until I got into it that they did that on purpose. So it wasn't just a bunch of city people talking about how to run a city. It was really getting that feedback from people and what people need from their community. How did at the end of that kind of process, how were you different? Uh, you know, I like to think that I looked at things um, more holistically and different. Um, you know, I've always cared about the community, but I think it gave me a little more confidence that, you know, that I could help, I could do things that would actually help people. Um, and, you know, you get to a point in your career, you need kind of that push. Um, and I needed that push at that point, and I think I really got that. And I'm just, I'm just a little more confident and a little more humble. Uh, I'm always a pretty humble guy, but when you are in that cohort with so many people from nonprofits and the private sector, it really makes you look at things uh, through a different lens, which has been helpful. Yeah, when I when I started my master's, and then by the time I was finished, I was humble because I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. <laughs> and the sheer intensity of the coursework. Uh, when when I was done, brother, I was done. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it'll take a lot out of you, and I think we're probably in the same boat. You know, you have kids, and like the older you get, the less you, the less I know now. Right. I used to know a lot. I don't know as much, but by the end, I was I was exhausted, but happy for it. Yeah. So just one personal question. Are both your kids driving now? So my son is driving and my daughter is, um, she has actually an appointment to get her permit uh, this month. So Cong they'll be driving. Congratulations. And neither, uh, he, my son does not want to drive. He doesn't? My daughter cannot wait. So, you know, I'm meeting more and more parents with teenagers your age that are not even interested in driving. Yeah. It's a, I don't, I don't understand it, but whatever works for them. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, I've been wanting to talk to you for some time, Neil, but, you know, I know there's a lot going on with the pandemic and lots of challenges trying to manage the city and the budget and, and all the, all that that implies and all the, and working between the city leaders and county leaders and state leaders trying to manage um, the economic upheaval as well as, you know, recently the social upheaval. But 
I want to talk to you today about your project, your creation, your leadership creation uh, from CityLink. And just let me read this for just a moment before we elaborate. <clears throat> CityLink, Springfield, Oregon is working to empower underrepresented leaders in Springfield to better understand and participate in their local government. Through CityLink, participants will meet with city leaders from city departments and divisions to gain a better understanding of how their government works, build contacts, and ask questions. Following the course, Participants will be in a great position to help their neighbors understand and access city government as city liaisons. Uh, the, this, pro, this, pilot, this program's pilot year kicks off in April. Okay, so it just gives your contact information, but part of it is to eliminate some of the fear and confusion that, that often exists between local government and underrepresented communities. Provide thoughtful, coordinated, and structured learning opportunities for a cohort of underrepresented community communities based on the services provided by local government, serves as a model for other communities to build community engagement. And some of the goals are, build a cohort of knowledgeable liaisons within the six wards that make up Springfield. In this official role, they would serve as connections for underrepresented communities who need assistance or have questions but are uncomfortable directly, directly contacting their local government representatives. Increase participation by the underrepresented uh, community in city boards, committees, and elected positions, and increasing positive interactions between the city, uh, between the underrepresented community and city officials, and build long-term relationships with other cities that would replicate the program. Elements of the CityLink program were developed in partnership with the University of Nevada Las Vegas School of Public Policy and Leadership. Wow, that before I even before we even get into some of the core curriculum, what a vision, what a gift uh, to the residents of this city, what a opportunity for those individuals who are concerned about growing and knowledge and skill and capacity to make a difference and have an impact. Where did this come from and why did you start it? Uh, well, um... It sounds really good, um, and you know it's a lot of uh, work, not all by me. I mean, it's a it was a lot of folks that participated, mm -hmm. um, but it came from you know when I was at this uh, when I was getting my master's degree, uh, they have a capstone project. They call it a leadership project at the end, and I was working on a project that was going to bring like these mobile food carts into areas of the community that are food deserts or don't have access to um, supermarkets. And that was the initial uh, plan. And as I was in this class, um, the ICE contract discussion was happening at the same time at the city of Springfield. And that was where residents of the community uh, came to our city council, discussed the ICE contract, and over time um, explained their displeasure and the council uh, thought about that and gave it a lot of um, discussion and thoughtful uh, response and decided to end that ICE contract. And so this was all happening during that. And I think what we saw uh, during those discussions was you know, people finding their voice and coming to council 
and council having those interactive discussions with folks. And there was a lot of, um, I think, misunderstandings at that time. And I remember being told by folks that were speaking, it's like, we're not upset at the council, we're not upset at city staff, but the process doesn't make sense. Like, how do we, how would we really get this in front of council? Why is it so difficult? And so I started to think about, well, you know, if we can help explain the process of how city government works, maybe that would be a better way than the city government going out and trying to talk about equity and diversity. Not that that's not important, we should be doing that. But I was really thinking about, well, what are we good at as city employees? Well, we're good at running the city. So what if we imparted that knowledge on people to help alleviate the mystery, kind of lift the curtain, like this is how it all works. Uh, to some people that may not have had the opportunities that some of us have to really be part of it. And I have to give a lot of credit to council because this is really their discussions that helped pull this together and then their full support. Um, it couldn't have happened without their full support um, during a work session and then after. And, you know, we'll talk about it as we go through the curriculum, but almost all of the counselors came and presented um, to the group. So that's where it kind of started to come together. It was really just, um, you know, I'll say this just in general terms, when I have found that when government has an issue that might include something that's happened to a minority or an underrepresented community, we're really good at bringing in that community for the short term, help, having them help us fix the problem. And then once the problem's fixed, you know, we don't connect anymore until the next problem. And that's not good. That's not a healthy um, thing to have happen. Uh, so what council saw was, hey, we've engaged these people. Neil, is there a way that we can continue to engage them? And so that's where this project was born. And when you read through all of the great things that we do, I would like to take credit for them. But really, it was us asking the community, well, what would help? And these ideas just came out of talking with our friends at Safer, uh, talking with our uh, Asian Pacific Islander population here in Springfield, really getting feedback from people to the point where I think at the beginning it was a program for a minority population in Springfield. And the community told me that, you know, even that term is limiting. It should be underrepresented. And again, they were right. It opened it up to, um, you know, we have people in the cohort that were representing female veterans who are often left on the outside of these discussions. So it was really, um, I get to talk about it and you know my name's on it, but really it was a community that helped me build the program and then some great people at the university that would help me with the details. So in essence, it really does become a government of the people for the people and by the people. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I mean, I think, you know, some people might look at it and say, well, you're, talking to people or you're talking at people and I would really say you know we're sharing information in a way that we think is kind of uh, interesting and fun but with some very specific uh, outcomes that we're hoping for. Well I think it's very important that people have access to information and having access to information helps us to be have more understanding and more ability to function whether it's a corporation or the city or whatever the situation is. And I see this program, I'm excited when I downloaded this and took some time reading it today, how 
beneficial it can be for anyone that would like to know more, be more effective, understand processes uh, much better. This opportunity gives them the ability to walk into City Hall and have an idea of what do I do now that I'm here or what do I do next? I think you're right. And that's the hope is the goals are, it's really kind of three separate goals. And that is, you know, we build a team of liaisons. So say Mark that you're having a, you know, an issue and you might be from an underrepresented community and you're, you need to have this issue, issue handled. Maybe it's an issue with a landlord or a business or something where you weren't treated fairly and you want to go to the city, but you don't feel comfortable for whatever reason. So if you had someone in your community who you can relate to and are trust and you trust, but understands, hey, here's generally how city government works and I have contacts at the city of Springfield. So let me help you find the right person or get the information. So that would be the, that's the kind of the liaison goal, the initial goal. And we've already kind of seen that happen. I think the longer term goals is, you know, these folks become great applicants for boards and commissions mm -hmm. and great applicants for city council in the future, not because they're underrepresented, but because they tend to know, hey, I know how the city works. I know how the budget works. I'm going to be a great candidate. And that is what we're hoping to see long term. And so for the council, I mean, for the council to kind of see this and have the vision to say, okay, eventually we need new people to come in. So let's start now and be part of it. I mean, I thought that was fantastic because the program goes nowhere without our council support and they have supported it. Well, thank you for sharing that and their thoughtfulness and their intention as well, because you know, recruiting new leaders, fresh talent, fresh ideas, it's so critical to the, the city maintaining its vibrancy and, be, and, and evolving correctly, so to speak, as, as we change as a community. And I just see that this would give people the, the confidence to be to get engaged in the process of say the budget committee or the historic commission or whatever the case may be, or the Springfield Library Foundation, whatever that might look like, and feel like they they can do it from a perspective of knowledge and have some positive uh, effect on that. Yeah, I agree. And you know, when we talk a little bit about the curriculum, it, it might not seem exciting to some people, some of us it is, but it might not seem excited to come in for an hour and talk about the city budget. But really, if you understand the budget, you can really have a real good grasp of your community and how things work. And so, yeah, we take some time and dive into it a little bit, not just the high level, here are the numbers, but more of like, here's how the numbers impact the services that you get. The same thing with planning. I don't know everybody would want to come in and talk about planning for an hour, but we try to set it up as, hey, if, let us talk about how planning might impact your particular neighborhood and why decisions are made and how they're made. Um, and then, you know, lo and behold, you meet these planners and finance people that we have here. They're pretty awesome. And so you get these connections with, uh, I think it humanizes, um, you know, a government employee because you see, oh, I, you know, I might live right down the street from you and I have the same concerns with safety on Main Street or whatever it might be. And let's talk through that. And what we found, you know, we had some, a few high school people in the program last year and they were relatively quiet through most of it. But once we got to planning 
and transportation and safety, that was something that was very close to them because they are walking on Main Street and they are leaving Thurston High School. And all of a sudden, you know, they are experts. They are experts in the impacts to the community. And then we were learning from them. So it was really a back and forth. And again, it's not a diversity program. We don't talk about equity and diversity. Unless it comes up, then we'll talk about it. But we're more of an expert in here's how government works and let's give people those tools and then have the equity conversation after their, um, you know, the toolbox is a little more full with how we're working. Very good. So we're looking at a seven month process. No, no. Um, it's a, uh, it looks that way, but you know, we have the pilot program, we have to adjust. So we learned a lot. Those first folks in, they really were helpful. Um, you know, we had some students, but we had it during a time when, you know, football was starting or track was starting. So they couldn't come to all of the, the um, presentation. So I think, you know, in the era of COVID, now that we'll be hopefully starting in October and do online um, versions, there, there might be, you know, seven weeks or seven two hour slots to get everything done. Very good. Well, let's talk about uh, the first portion of this program, which is city leadership, history and ethics. Yeah. And it takes an initial dive into Springfield's local government. It covers networking, welcome from the mayor, program overview introductions. Talk a little bit about ethics and council policy. Yeah, so we have, um, again, I know you've met Mary Bridget Smith, our city attorney, and she was also our city manager pro tem. And uh, she's a trusted uh, person here in, in our organization, definitely, and in the community. She uh, does several presentations about ethics um, and how they work within city government and being transparent. And we would like, you know, we think it's important that we kick off the program with that. So we do some networking so folks can meet each other, um, you know, start to get close with each other. We have a mayor kind of welcome and a city manager just to tell some stories, just to, you know, calmly, you know, break the ice a little bit, just make it a little fun. Um, and then Mary Bridget kind of goes through, you know, what does that mean? What does ethics even mean? What does transparency mean in government? And uh, we like to start off on that foot so people understand, hey, here's our goal. Um, and we're always working towards that. Very good. Uh, session two is finance, budget, and economic development. What kinds of things do you address with the cohort regarding the budget? Yeah, so, so I think it's really pulling some of those numbers apart. So a, an easy example is you kind of look at the budget for the city. Public safety has a huge piece of that, the library, some of the other some of the other departments, there's pieces are really small. So why is that? Let's talk through why, why is that? Why is it important? How do we get there? And I mean, you were on the budget committee. You saw the binder is, yeah. um, it can be very intimidating. And it, and our finance department is working on making it less intimidating for all of us. But having some tools to be able to open that document and say, okay, I'll use my knowledge of my community and now I can help, you know, make decisions or at least uh, work with our city council to make my voice heard. That's really what we go through. Same thing with economic development. Mm -hmm. Sometimes economic development is a mystery to people. How, what does that even mean? So we kind of go through some examples, you know, how did we work with the council and how did the council work with you know, Franz Bakery to bring the bakery to Springfield or, 
you know, when the semantic building was empty and dark, which is a scary thing, how did the council and staff work quickly with the community to fill it with Wayfair and, you know, have 500 jobs there? So those discussions, I think they're really helpful for people. Um, you know, another thing, we want to get employees interested. And so I, that's not even, that's something I'll add to it. I mean, we want um, people that may not have thought of the city as a place where they want to spend their life's work. We want them here. And so having these discussions, you know, it is pretty interesting to talk about, you know, how can I bring jobs here? What does that mean? Uh, how can I be part of that? So that's another goal that we have is really to change the look, the diversity of the city workforce. The diversity, that word diversity, it means a lot of different things. It, sometimes I think we make the mistake of confining it to race, but it is so much, such a larger uh, piece of the, the formation of the, the culture of an organization of a city. Yeah, diversity of thought. Right. Really, it's like being able to have um, an organization where people feel safe having thoughts that are not the norm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then you can make some changes. Number three is infrastructure, part one of how the city is built around public works. Yeah, so uh, public works is a larger one. So we actually split it up into two. It's this week and then the next one you see there. And that's really split into, again, things that really impact the community, transportation. And transportation impacts, you know, our businesses. It impacts how we get around, we get to school. Um, I also think that if you want to change the environment for the better, you know, being a transportation planner, that's a good job because you're actually, um, and many people don't think of it, but you are impacting uh, the environment mm -hmm. by being able to uh, reduce wait times or make transportation uh, um, options easier and more uh, plentiful. So we talk about that. We talk about planning. Planning is another one that, you know, it's really important for people to be able to understand why their city looks a certain way, why certain buildings can be in a certain part of town, but not in another part of town and how that works. So walking people through that at a relatively high level, but just giving you the understanding that you could have a conversation with someone about how planning works in your community, I think is very powerful. I remember when the roundabout idea first came here before their construction, the amount of community involvement and input and dialogue. And then when they were building the paths, the bike paths and how many people would come to council and talk about why it was needed. That's when I really became more aware of the significance of how the infrastructure of a city comes together with all those elements. And I remember also over the MX, is that right, MX? Yeah. MX, um, people talked about why they needed it, how it affected their ability to get to work. The same thing with LTD, going to meetings about, L about LTD and why people needed certain, the bus at certain days on certain times, either to get to work so their kids could get home from school or whatever the case was. And I really began to be very intrigued on how that entire transportation picture comes together just for yeah. standard life and living. Totally. I mean, yeah, you, and you, um, you think about how, how these things impact your life, your, how your street and the quality of your street and the width of your street. I mean, how does that impact you and your kids? And really, you I mean, you get people together 
um, with, you know, we have a senior transportation planner. She doesn't do this work for a living. She does it, it's her life's work. So if you talk to her about how important it is, you get excited either about how your community is developing or maybe you want to do that as your job. But, you know, we have people here that, I mean, it was snowing one day and she was taking pictures of the street because the snow was showing where people were actually turning versus where we thought they might turn. I mean, it's a constant thing. It's a, it's a life's work. And so getting people together so they know that that's who's working for the community. It's people that, you know, think about it all the time. They want to make things better and getting input from everyone is very important. And so that's another, uh, I think, positive attribute of a program like this. Yeah, I, I can absolutely see that. Um, public safety, keeping the community safe, a tour of the municipal jail and a look at criminal justice. Yeah. So Mark, I think this was, a, I would say a highlight of the, of the cohorts um, time with us, because I know you just had um, Chief Lewis and Lieutenant Crawley on and you asked them some great questions that um, from you and I think that you got from the community. Uh, but if you kind of put it in the perspective of people were coming to City Hall to talk about the ICE contract and their concerns, some of those same people were in this cohort and now they're in the jail touring where the ICE contract was keeping people. So it was very emotional for folks, but then I think also very, um, you know, again, it was lifting the curtain. It was being able to be side by side with the chief as you walk through and as he explains, here's why we do things. Here's um, how people are processed and for how long. And it's just lifting that mystery is often very helpful for people and I, very emotional for people. And I was emotional just seeing it. Um, so for me, it was a night that I won't soon forget because of just, you know, what we saw. Yeah, that was definitely an emotional time. I was at those meetings too, and when people would come before council, and it, it was, I think we've grown a lot as a city, Neil. We've grown a lot as a community. I think our city leadership, that was a impactful time to, to, uh, to see how decisions, how some decisions affect people down the road, so to speak. When you're when you might be looking at a decision of dollar and cents or a budgetary issue or how does this fill a need right now? Uh, because even I, you know, I'm Mexican American, and even I felt like you guys are just targeting me, man. And then when I look back, I'm like, no, I realize that that ICE contract brought in dollars right? Budget, all of those things. It's right. complex is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think we found with COVID, it's like everything is complex. Like yeah. nothing is simple anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting time, Mark. And I think, you know, we, like I said, we had a counselor join us at the beginning of every um, night and counselor Woodrow joined us that night and she sat with people in the uh, courtroom and she answered questions, you know, again, just as a neighbor and a counselor. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps people maybe put them at ease a little bit um, because she's very conversational. Um, and then the chief took over and did the tour. And um, yeah, it was a challenging night for some people, but I think it was well worth it. I think too, Neil, in all honesty, yeah, 
I've been around the block. I'm 56, brother. I've been around the block a few times in this life. And I think the mistake that we make sometimes is we don't give people the benefit of the doubt and give them an opportunity to explain what they were thinking. We're quick sometimes, too quick sometimes, not every time, but we can be too quick to make harsh judgments and harsh, harsh assumptions. And so as I get older and as I mature, I, I realize there are things about me that I have to grow into and how I need to become different if I'm going to be a better leader for every stage of life I find myself in. And so I see this program and this curriculum as helping people come into more maturity, more wisdom, more knowledge, more practicality, so they're not so disoriented when they're facing something critical and they need help from the city of Springfield. Uh, six, public partner agency, I love this, Team Springfield. I love Team Springfield and what it represents and how that whole picture comes together. Yeah, so that's a, it's kind of a fun, that's a fun evening. Um, if you look at kind of bringing in the superintendents from Lamelaine, Michael Wargo, who's fantastic, and Jeff Nelson from Sub, it um, would be Todd Hamilton this year. We also bring in um, Matt Stouter, who runs the Metropolitan Wastewater Management Commission. Again, a very important thing that people don't really think about, but you know, you don't have a civilized community if you don't have wastewater, mm -hmm. and bathrooms, and running water. Um, but that's a good night to give people access to the heads of the Team Springfield agencies. And, um, you know, Willamette Lane is a very positive part of our community. We're very fortunate to have them and the great people that they have there. But when do you really get to sit down with, you know, a superintendent, with the other superintendents in the room and ask questions? I um, mean, see how they interact with each other and see that there is a connection. Um, I think it's very helpful for folks. And, you know, we're looking at, we'd love people to work here at the city. We'd also, you know, a more um, equitable and diverse group of people working at all the agencies is positive. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the wastewater and how important that is. Kind of a funny story and I'll share it. <laughs> Our first home here was on 146 E Street, okay. right there across from the old school district building. Right there, Pioneer Parkway and right in the corner. Yeah. yeah. And I have some friend of ours, he said that he and his wife spent their honeymoon in that home. Her father owned it before the bathroom was at it. And so they had to go to the our garage. He said the reason why it looked that way is because it was originally the barn. And he showed us where the outhouse was that they used. And all those departments behind our home uh, had all been uh, uh, grapes and different fruit okay. and stuff. Yeah. And so it was interesting hearing him tell me this whole story of where the Meadow Park is was all farmland at that point in time. Meadow Park wasn't even there yet. And he was sharing, me, sharing with us this whole history of what that street looked like. And he was a young man on his honeymoon having to use an outhouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would rather have the indoor plumbing. Yeah. That's just me. That's <laughs> just me too. So uh, let's see here. Next steps, getting involved in graduation. Yeah. What does that look like for a cohort? So um, there's one piece that's not on that list, which um, is in 
this upcoming year when we start rolling it out. And that is human resources and hiring at the city. Uh, we have an incredible HR department um, changing the look of the city and making more representative who's actually in our community. It's a high priority. It's a high priority for Nancy uh, Newton, our city manager. It's a high priority for me. Um, so we want to talk through um, and Chaim Hertz, our HR director, he does a great job of kind of talking through and taking a real look. I mean, I think it's really important to take a real look at who, who's working at the city of Springfield and what do the numbers look like over time? And are women getting uh, the, the chance to have leadership positions in the organization? Are underrepresented groups having the chance to have leadership positions and work here? So he has done an incredible job of pulling that data together. And so we'd want to share that and then talk about hiring as well here at the city. Uh, so that would be an addition. But really, when you go through a program, we, you, need to be, you need to celebrate it. And that's what we hope to do. And how we'll do it virtually, I'm not exactly sure yet. But it is important to recognize, you know, if people can stick with a course for six or seven weeks, uh, recognize the, you know, the, the time that they put into it. Um, you know, we had a couple of uh, we had a couple of classes in April where it was beautiful outside. Sun was shining, it was warm, and we're now telling these people, yes, come into City Hall and let's talk about the budget. Yes, you 17-year-old, come on in and we'll talk about the budget instead of going out and playing soccer or whatever you want to do. It's, yeah, come with us. So you got to celebrate that and people's participation. Very good. What are some of the challenges, Neil? If I ask you anything you're not supposed to answer, let me know. Uh, I, I think this one's okay. What are some of the challenges for the city to maintain uh, uh, expanded library services? So I think, you know, to kind of look at it broadly right now, we have just several challenges that we've never seen. And I think you've mentioned these before, Mark. Obviously, we have a pandemic. Obviously, we have um, the murder of George Floyd and the protests that followed. We have budget concerns here at the city, and we have a new city manager. There's not been a city manager hired who had to deal with, like that's 10 years of stuff that Nancy has, has come into. And uh, I think she's handled it just with grace and the incredible amount of leadership. I'm very happy she's here and that the council made the decision to hire her, not only to hire her, but you know, they went out and went out for a city manager. They didn't find the perfect person. So they had the, you know, the courage to say, okay, we're gonna do this again. And then they find Nancy and she's been just incredible uh, the way she has taken on all of these issues, which just one of them would be enough but all of these, and then if you think of how they impact your employees and how they impact your community. Um, so there are a lot of issues. And I think when you start talking about how do we expand library hours, it's really kind of looking at, again, your library staff and the leadership there. They have expanded the hours without expanding the budget. They've just mm -hmm. figured out a way to do it. But really, as we move forward, it's getting the community support to say, hey, we would like that library to be open this much and then us being able to tell them, okay, this is what it would take. And then coming to a, an agreement on that. So 
when the community and us and the staff can get together and council sees that data, then council can help make that decision. Um, so that's how we expand. So they've already kind of come up with, again, there are leaders all over this organization. It's not just the executive staff, it's, um, it's at every level. We have millennials here. You know, I know millennials get a bad rap for whatever reason, but man, they are some of the smartest people that I've ever met. And when I see where they are at 26 and where I was at 26, it's a whole different, I wasn't there. I wasn't, I wasn't that smart, but you know, we have these leaders and they're figuring out ways to do the city's business um, differently. Mm -hmm. And then you get someone in like Nancy who, you know, tells people to encourages that let's do things differently. Let's not do it how we've always done it. I mean, that's when I think down the line, once we're past COVID, um, once we're kind of into whatever the normal is, I think we'll see more opportunities to do things differently and maybe to do things that are, um, that our council can look at and say, okay, yeah, this will work for the community. And then we move forward. I think the library is in a great job with their expanded videos and sessions that they have. Um, it just seems like since I've been here, since I moved here in 96 and I moved away to Texas for a few years, the library is always increasing in its ability to meet different needs of the community and they seem to do it very, very well. Yeah. Um, I guess in my mind, I'm hoping that one day we'll wake up and a levy will be passed for a brand new library that can last the next 30 years in the city. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think the community deserves a great library. And, you know, Mark, you and I have been here a long time. We had this incredible library staff and all of them retired. And you start to think, well, who's going to replace these great people? And we got more great people. I mean, they're just younger and they look at things differently, but I mean, they're incredible, our librarians, each and every one. Um, they care about people. They're incredibly knowledgeable. They're great to have around. And if you think of city government, what do we really have that is fun? That, I mean, we don't have, we, well, Lamalane is separate from the city. It's not at city hall. It's its own taxing district. So the library is our connection to so many people, so many young people to bring them into the building and kind of make them comfortable. Um, and that all is staff. The staff makes that happen. Uh, it's not a very big library. Um, we should, you know, we really need to think about what it will look like in the future, but uh, we're really fortunate to have the staff working there that we have. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Now, you were, were, you've been at the city since 2004, so I'm just going back in my mind. That means you were there when it was... Mike Kelly and Cynthia Pappas. Correct. And it was the interim at one point was Mike Harmon. And then it was Gino Grimaldi, Jeff Towery, then um, Mary Beth. And now Nancy Newton, is that correct? Pretty close. Um, uh, if I think back, it was um, Mike Kelly. Mm -hmm. And then Cynthia Pappas was actually the interim. That's right. Right. And then Gene and um, Gino was hired and Mike Harmon, you're right on. I don't know how you remember that, but Mike Harmon was the interim assistant. Yes. When Gino first got here and then he hired Jeff Towery. Um, and, and then it was Mary Bridget Smith mm -hmm. who came in and did just an incredible job. And now we have Nancy Newton. 
So just a kind of a personal question, you know, you've seen a lot of adjustment growth. You've seen a lot of changes in leadership. Um, how has that helped the city? You know, because each leader has their style, obviously. How, how, in your opinion, has the city been adapting to all the, the changes in, in leadership? Yeah, I, you know, I think we're very fortunate, Mark, because we had Mike Kelly for so many years. And then we had Gino for so many years, and he was a very consistent leader, uh, great person. I mean, um, he did an excellent job. So we really had years of stability. And then if you look at our council, also very stable. Um, so I think we, you know, we had to be prepared for the changes. And again, I hate to harp on this, but it really comes down to the people that are chosen for the roles and the opportunities that they've been given to grow up to that point. And so when someone like Gino leaves and you can insert Mary Bridget Smith and her, her level of knowledge and understanding as an interim stopgap, that, I mean, you're lucky. So the council was able to kind of see, okay, we have this person we don't need to go out and find an interim. We have this person right here and they work together. They bring Mary Bridget in. And then it's really the decision to hire Nancy. Nancy's been a calming, another calming influence, but she does things very differently than Gino. Um, so things will change. And, um, you know, I can't speak for her, but I do know that when she came, she came into a, basically an empty office it's been her and i and then people come in from time to time but most people are trying to figure out how to do their jobs virtually still uh, it's not easy um but she is uh bringing in just a different perspective and i think it's time and i think the council saw that in her that here's someone who will come in and listen and then make some decisions and that's what she does the first two weeks she listened like you were talking and it was just like, you could see it all going in. And then the decisions have started to come and uh, things are different and it's pretty nice. I, as I look back just as a community member and I think of the previous, all the previous leaders that have been mentioned. And I do believe that she is the right leader at the right time. I believe that she, this is her moment you look when I look at her and when I interviewed her, one thing one of the things I picked up was that she had been in the furnace and the fire of development for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And though even though she came into these incredible circumstances that we're all facing, she was predestined for this. This was her moment as a leader, as as a person this was her shining moment for all the years that she had been being developed. This was her time. And actually I see that about you too, all that I've watched you go through in the city and all your development. I think it's so interesting that the both of you are together. You're the new assistant city manager. I couldn't think of anybody else that would be a better team than the two of you in this upheaval, in this, economic upheaval in this pandemic because there's something steady about you two working together side by side there's something steady and consistent about your performance your communication it's really calming and i just wanted to say that 
Well, I appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you, Mark. And um, yeah, I, I feel very, very fortunate to be working with her and, you know, the incredible staff that we have here, the executive team, um, you know, she's even looking at, and Mary Bridget was as well, you know, how do we fully get everything out of the executive team? How do we, you know, make their work, um, how do they get the most out of their jobs, but then how do we get the most out of the executive team? And so we even engage as an executive team differently, even during all of this. It's like, if you know, if you're, you know, we have a Metropolitan Wastewater Management Commission um, superintendent on our executive team, Matt Stouter. He's also the ESD director. You know, if we just talk to him about ESD stuff, we're missing out. He understands policy. He understands uh, human uh, relations and um, how people work. He's really an incredible leader in his own right. And so you really be able to let people out of their shell and work on everything. And that's really what Nancy's been doing is like kind of expanding. It's like, if you're on the executive team, then you're a leader for the entire city, not just your department. And if you're a planning manager, you have ideas that we want to hear. And so we actually do a, um, every two weeks, we do an all employee meeting. We do it virtually. And it's really open to whatever questions people have. Um, and then you get to see Nancy's personality come out too, which is, she's very funny. Um, and you don't really have a chance sometimes to joke because there's so many you know, important things happening. But uh, one of the things I think that makes her very human is she's very funny. Um, and so that comes out to the employees as well, I think. And then the employees give us feedback. So I really think that we're in a good spot. And I think that how council saw all of this in her and make that choice of just very impressed because I was in the process as far as the executive team. I read all of the resumes. I was part of the process, but council made the decision. And uh, I really think they made a great choice for our community. Well, I have to agree with you. There's no doubt that they made a great choice. There's no doubt that they made the right choice. And it, I, I agree with you. There is that consistency uh, within the city leadership, with the council, with the people that have been here for a long time that have seen so many different seasons of life here in this city. And that helps because you don't have, you have above and beyond uh, time and tenure, you have historical knowledge. And you get to see that progression of in this season, the city faced this challenge and this is how we got through it. And then we went through, we encountered this storm. This is how we survived that storm. And it just continues to, evolve in how people think and interact one with another. Yeah, and you, you want those people, right, Mark, to work for you as a community. I mean, you want, so the, I mean, the way I look at it is I, I wanna be part of a city where my kids grow up and they wanna stay here. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're Springfielders. My daughter was born at Mackenzie Willamette. My son was born like the year before he moved here, but he grew up in this area. And, you know, I want, and I think everybody does, we want to build a city where, you know, your daughter, maybe she goes to college somewhere else, but she can come back and feel like there's enough here that I want to stay in Springfield. And it's a balance because one of the things I love most about this community is just, I feel very accepted and comfortable here. And I think part of that is, you know, in Springfield, 
it doesn't matter how much money you have, um, you're going to shop at the Albertsons by your house. Mm -hmm. There's not a Oakway Center. There's not, um, you know, a wild, you know, there's, that stuff isn't here yet. So we are always together. And, you know, when I look at my kids' friends, they're all throughout the socioeconomic uh, chart. And you can't tell which one is which. Mm -hmm. They just have a certain something that I see and I really enjoy and love about um, how they're growing up in Springfield. And so that, when my wife and I moved here, that was really the thing. It's like, wow, this is the first time I've really felt comfortable um, and accepted. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I hope people feel that. And it's always a constant thought in my head. It's like, are we doing enough to make people feel like this is their home? And it's a council goal. You know, it's that hometown feel it means different things for different people. But in the end, it's like, are you comfortable and accepted in your home? And I think that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. And I think that I mean, I have a history here too. I mean, I coached soccer here and football here and I was a soccer referee and a cub master and scout master all in the city. And I was here when the incident it's with Kip Kinkle happened at Thurston and was on the, the first uh, group that walked the city for the passage of the jail for the, the tax levy. And I was happy when they got, when they, I wasn't here and the, at that time I was in Texas, but when they built the skate park at 14th and G, I was a little sad because that was a big, beautiful green meadow where my soccer teams used to practice. And so I had that kind of emotional attachment. So you see that progression of growth, right? You see that progression of, of, of what things look like, even the new track at Hamlin. I remember the old football field because I was coaching football games there. You yeah. know, a different layout, right? Because the parking lot was different and everything. Yeah. And yeah, I think... Mark, you hit on something that really brings you to the community. So there's two things that I think everyone should do when they're growing up. One is they should work in the service industry. They should be a waitress or a waiter. Um, so you can see how that other side is. I think it's very important to have that type of job where you're a service person and just see how people treat you. And then as you get older, you treat people with respect. I think you gotta, gotta go through that. Um, and then coaching. If you have the opportunity to coach a youth sport, you learn so much about yourself. Those kids teach you. I think that's part of it. It's like I used to know a lot, but now I don't. It's really, um, they really teach you uh, about yourself. And I can tell, and I know that you've gone through all of that. And uh, it's, it really makes you a better person, I think, when you could do that for a few seasons. Mm -hmm. So if you have the chance, I would recommend it. Yeah, very good. So in closing, Neil, anything you'd like to say to the residents of the city that will see this? Because people will watch it. And what would you like to say to them in terms of encouragement about the work of the city and the work of, and this leadership program? Well, I mean, I think we're going to put out the word for uh, the next cohort and we'll ho hopefully we'll get a, you know, a good group and we'll figure it out how we're going to do it online. And, and it'll be good, I think. Um, but I think, you know, the one thing about Springfield is we are all in this together and there are some challenging times. And I know it is, you know, when COVID first hit and main street closed down and I walked out on that main street, it was tough to see it, but things are coming back and people are figuring out how to do business and people are figuring out how to support those businesses. And I would just 
you know, I would hope that people would be part of this transition as we move forward. And I think we're seeing that, Mark. We're seeing more public input on things than I can ever remember. Um, and so I, I would just encourage that. It's like really, you know, play a role, um, be on a board, uh, tune into a council meeting, you know, do something that um, might be out of your comfort zone. And those are the people that are really making Springfield a, a great place. Um, and I think our best times are ahead. I really do as a community. I think, you know, development has continued to move. Marcola Meadows, mm -hmm. talk about a big field. Marcola Meadows out in um, the Mohawk area. You know, that's going to be hundreds of houses. Mm -hmm. And that is happening now during COVID. They are building houses now. So things are continuing to move. And I'm confident that we'll find a way when things get back to whatever normal is to continue to keep Springfield a competitive and fantastic place to live. Very good. Ladies and gentlemen, we've had Neil Ladotti with us today, the Assistant City Manager uh, for the City of Springfield and our point person for the city for the, uh, new the, the new leadership training program that can be found under the City Link. That's what it's called, City Link, right? Yes. And we encourage everyone to get involved, find a place to connect with opportunities at the City of Springfield, get on a commission, get on a board, uh, reach out via the website to some of the leaders. If you'd like just to get a chance to meet them, get an email from them and to them, and because they'll answer. And so, Neil, we thank you for your time. Thank you for your years of faithful service to the City of Springfield and all of us that call this place home. We, we wish you and your family and your children the best. Great. Same to you, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, have a good day. You too. Bye-bye.